What's up, guys? Welcome to Real Men Talk. Today, we have a very special episode for you guys. Uh, we're here with Bishop Josh Reasons about some end-time prophecy, uh, kind of what's going on in the world today, what uh, w- kind of updated. Um, you're not going to want to miss this. Let's get with it on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. All right, guys, welcome back to Real Men Talk. I got Bishop Josh Reasons with us. What's up, Josh? Hey, Anthony, how are you? Good to be with you. Wonderful, wonderful. I am so excited that you're on uh, uh, on here today. and We're going to be talking about some end-time prophecy and, and, and stuff. Um, you, you know, of course, you were here. We talked about the... the Gog and Magog war a little bit and what was going on when the when everything started to expire there in uh, in Russia to begin with uh, we had you on and, and it's always a pleasure to have you here and so for those of you who are listening who don't know um, Josh Reasons is a good friend of mine um, I want to beef him up a little bit here um, everybody everybody's got a Paul in their life you know you got a Paul and you got a Timothy Josh Reasons would be my Paul uh, he's my go-to guy. <laughs> Uh, he's full of wisdom, even at, at, you know, he's not very old, 40, what, 42 and 41, um, 41, yeah. 41 and, uh, full of wisdom. Um, and so you, you guys are in for a treat. So Josh, let's start off with, uh, something easy. Well, give us a little bit about what, what makes you so passionate about end time prophecy? Well, I'm passionate about end-time prophecy because I sincerely believe that we are living in the last days, and I'm probably jumping ahead of some of our discussion that we'll talk about, um, but I genuinely believe that we're living in the last days, and I think it's so interesting. I think it's so intriguing that we live, God has graced us to live in the time in which we live. We're getting to see so yes. many of the scriptures come to pass, and I think for any believer um, that is looking forward to uh, their redemption, drawing the eyes the Scripture talks about, uh, I don't see how they couldn't, to one degree or another, uh, be interested in end-time prophecy. Uh, right. When you could open up your Bible and see so many Scriptures, some of which we're going to talk about tonight, like Joel chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 3, where we see uh, that particular passage literally coming to pass right in front of our very eyes. And, and so, again, there's just so many things we could talk about, uh, but it's just so intriguing to see all of these things coming to pass, and, and I'm just blown away. I'm just blown away to be able to witness this. So that's why it's been such an interesting thing for me. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It truly is that we can, you know, kind of like you said, you, you look in the Bible, you can, we are physically watching prophecy come you, you know i mean actual i mean the, these scriptures were written what you know s- some of them 2000 years ago you know you yeah. go back to like joel and and so i mean you're 3500 years ago and we're actually seeing them take place right here i mean it just goes to show the authenticity of the word of god exactly yeah so true so, so let's let's um let's jump right into it um, I know okay. you've you've got some some great stuff, uh, some great insight for us. Um, where do you want to start? 
Yeah, well, I always like to start and just give credit where credit is due. You know, a lot of the, besides the scriptures themselves, of which we always go to as the primary source, I mean, that is the key thing. Everything needs to derive from scriptures. But there's a lot of prophecy teachers, a lot of credible people out there that I like to go to that just kind of help me put things in context. And so I always want to try and give credit where credit is due in that area. And just to kind of mention off some of the mainstream names that I feel are are worthy of mentioning, people like John Hagee, Pastor Mark Biltz, Pastor Jimmy Evans, Jan Markell, Gary Stearman, Pastor uh, Dave Jeremiah, Billy Salas, Dr. Uh, Mark Hitchcock, Billy Crohn, several names, and I could go on and on and on. These are just people that I consider go-tos um, that are much more aware that I am much smarter than I am. Some of them are true scholars, true theologians, true um, end-time Bible prophecy students that just kind of help put things in context. And so just from my own study and then whenever I compare to what they're doing, and they're far more qualified than I am, um, you know, there's just so much that is aligning with the scriptures that they're all in a very general sense saying the same thing. Now, granted, you're going to have discrepancy. You're going to have differences in all things like that. You're going to have some different interpretation, different views on key events. But those are the people that I go to, that I give credence to, that I pay a lot of attention to. And I think that all three of them are trying to answer some questions. And when I say questions, I'm talking about right now questions. I mean, uh, it seems as though end-time Bible prophecy advances almost on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. We see things that seem to come to pass on a daily basis. And so they're all trying to answer the same kinds of questions that Christians that are are asking around the world, that people are asking. And one of the big questions that people are simply asking is, what in the world is going on? Um, How do we know? that it's the end times. What is all this stuff that's going on with Gog and Magog? I know you had mentioned that we talked about that last time that it was on the program. I feel like there's even been some updates from our last conversation that we could add to that almost. And and then, of course, another big question that people are asking is, when is is this going to happen? Well, I'm not here to set dates. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not trying to set dates, but I think we, we do know the season. You know, Jesus even told the Pharisees, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, you know, he said, you can look at the sky and tell what the weather's going to be like tomorrow, but you don't know, uh, referencing his own appearing, you don't understand these times. And of course, we know based on that, that the Lord gives us signs. He gives us things so that we do understand the times in which we live. And when you look at the scripture and you look at the signs, you understand we are in the last days. And as one pastor said, we are at the end of the end time. Yes. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and I don't want to try and, and oversell this thing. I don't want to try and sensationalize. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately, I think in, in the Christian world, there are some people that try and uh, maybe uh, overstate things or try and oversell things. Maybe they're trying to sensationalize. Maybe they're trying to sell a book, whatever the case may be. That's not why I'm here. I'm simply here because I think that we truly are in the last days. And uh, I think it's something in times is something that's on the hearts and minds of believers to one degree or another. And I think even the unsaved, I think even people in the world, the unsaved know something's up. Something is not right. Something is not normal. 
I mean, not just COVID and all of the different things that we saw associated with that, but the entire world is right now just up in arms. Um, and people want to know if we can know, you know, what, what does the Bible say? What do the scriptures say about this? Yes. So that's kind of the direction that I would take things. Something that I've noticed lately, you know, getting into, you know, the, the, the world knows that, that something is going on, um, is the amount of fear that Mm -hmm. I have, I I have seen in, in, in the lives of the people and I, in and out, inside and outside of the church, people are terrified. And and I think, kind of giving credit to what you said, people realize that there's just an unsettling of something that is good. They may not be able to put a, a finger on it. They may not be able to um to to rationalize it, but they understand, and they are terrified because they don't really know what's going on. Yeah, I would agree with that, and. I, I sense the same thing. I've had conversations with Christians, um, frankly, that wish the Lord would just take us out of this mm-hmm. time. Um, and one of the things that I try and remind them is that while we may be going through difficult times, this is not the tribulation time. Right. And so my, my point is, you know, we all go through struggles. We all go through issues. You know, Jesus, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, said, you know, think it not strange that you're going to go through tough times. Uh, you're going to go through struggles. He said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Um, it, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. There's all of these different kinds of context of scriptures that let us know that in life we're going to have struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, when it comes to fear, I, one of the things I try and remind people of is that if you know Jesus Christ, if you are truly a blood-bought saint of God, you have repented, you you are the redeemed of God, you need to understand just how loved you are. You know, there's a scripture in 1 John chapter 4 that tells us that perfect love casts out fear. You know, a lot of times people think that the difference between uh, in other words, one of the things that, that, that the difference between fear is faith, and certainly that's true. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. there is an element of truth in that. I don't want to take away from that at all. But I think it goes beyond that because I think for the believer, for the Christian, if we knew just how much we were loved, if we understand God's perfected love in Christ and his willingness uh, to forgive us and redeem us and his longing for us and wanting to be with us. If we knew just how loved we were, we wouldn't be afraid. Now, that's easier said than done. Uh, whenever you're facing some sort of a struggle, whenever you're facing some sort of a circumstance, but if you can keep those kinds of scriptures in mind that you are truly loved, that that helps push aside the fear. And one of the reasons in, in terms of biblical prophecy, one of the reasons why the Lord graces us with um, these prophetic scriptures, these signs uh, in the scriptures that lets us know what is coming down the pike. And as we see these scriptures coming to pass, we, we're able to tell, we're able to see and tell where we are in the prophetic mm-hmm. timeline. That should comfort us in a way and let us know that Jesus is returning soon. 
our redemption is returning soon. So there's a level of peace and comfort in that. So those are some of the things I try to do to help people in this time, to comfort. Yeah. And, and and it's so true. And I think that so many times, you know, we, we did a podcast not too long ago on worldviews. And when you, when you adapt any worldview outside of a biblical worldview, the loss of hope takes place because nothing, nothing, nowhere, no worldview can offer hope like Jesus Christ can. Nothing, you know, because because he is our savior. He does love us. He is for us. Even when times get bad, he is still for us. He still makes a way for us. Um, We we will we will thrive even in chaos. The Lord will, will, you know, yes, things may get tough, but we will thrive. And uh, people people seem to to lose hope. And I think that people buy into lies, um, and we we did a podcast on hope, um, Kyler and I did, and um, but I, I think that people buy into lies of not of of just sometimes just being overwhelmed, um, sure. just just chaos, just constantly just fighting, just you know because you're. In today's time, and I don't know if it's been like this over the course of history. I'm sure there's been an element of it, but it seems like as a Christian that we are at constant warfare, constant. Like there is, especially as men, you know, mm-hmm. when we're when we're trying to raise up our family, we're trying to take care of our wives, we're trying to you know do ministry and all that stuff. We cannot afford. To let our guard down, to 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 allow the, the the game to pause or anything, because the moment we're not pushing, we're not advancing, we're losing the yeah. that moment. And uh, I think people are just overwhelmed, and I think that it's more evident today um, than it has been because I think that Satan, the enemy, he knows. He knows his time is short. He feels the urgency just as we should. And that's the reason why we have such a constant um, bombardment from the enemy. And I, and I agree with you that about, you know, the end times and how important it is in, in, in things. And, and I want to encourage our listeners and I'll probably do this a couple of times, but I want to encourage our listeners to, to really dig in. It could be overwhelming. I get it. Um, but to to really dig into end time prophecy and what the Word of God says about what's happening on today, it's important for us as leaders to know. Sure, um, absolutely. You know, to 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 know for the other people around us, we yeah. we are to be the examples. We are to be, you know, the whole point of being a Christian, anyways, is to be Christ like. You know, Christ was a leader. He led people. He was a servant leader. You know, he influenced the people around him. We were to do the same thing. And if we don't know what's going on, if we can't see a bigger picture, then we're not really leading anybody. I would agree. You know, we're born for such a time as this. That's right. And that's exciting. It is. It is. To be in this day and time. And like you said, it is hard. It is difficult because people are hit from so many different angles. There's, you know, spiritual struggles, mental struggles, financial struggles, 
um, you know, people dealing with so much sickness and illness and on and on. You got relationship issues. And of course, we could just go down the different rabbit trails and all those. But there's such a level of connectedness that people have today through social media, um, through through just the different the different avenues and venues through Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and different levels. We, we're able to pick up on and connect with so many people on a global basis. Um, we see the different traumas. We see the different things that people are going through the different struggles that people are going through all over the world. And uh, it seems like that it just continues to pile up. It seems like mm-hmm. it continues to compound. And and we know, we know, and like you kind of alluded to earlier, the closer we get to the return of Christ, this sort of stuff is going to ramp up. It is going to amp up, so to speak. And but again, you know, we as believers, we have to come back. We have to be light and salt. You know, Matthew five talks about that. We have to be light. We have to be salt in a dark world. Uh, it was in God's, you know, sovereign order and plan that we are in this day and time in which we live. We can be the examples that we need to be for those around us. We can lead people to Christ in spite of all the struggles, in spite of all the issues going on in people's lives. We can provide them hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a small break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to continue this talk on end time prophecy. See you in a minute. This portion of The Real Men Talk is brought to you by RL Persons Construction. For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state, and federal agencies of all types. From mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel. You can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573-686-1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. Recover 2022 is coming to the Palace of Praise on Saturday, September 10th, beginning at 11 a.m. Recovered 2022 is a recovery festival featuring resources for those battling addiction and will have experts on hand to guide you in the right direction to get the help you need. Recovered 2022 also features games, food, and family fun for the entire family. Come to your powerful speakers and awesome praise and worship music. Recovered 2022 is happening at the Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information about this event, please contact the church office at 573-785-4232. Recovered 2022, September 10th at the Palace of Praise in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. (music) 
This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by The Jewelers Bench. They are a full-service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in-house so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed Citizen Watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 Northwestwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question or comment about this week's show, shoot us an email to realmen at palaceofpraise.com. And now back to Real Men Talk with Anthony Kernut and special guest, Josh Reasons. All right, guys, welcome back here with Bishop Josh Reasons. Um, so, Josh, you, you know, back to, to this end time prophecy, what kind of questions are you seeing from individuals and, and, and even probably globally? Yeah. Well, certainly people are asking the question, how do we know it's the end? You know, that's something that end time prophecy people talk about a lot. Uh, if pastors preach on end time prophecy, people begin to question, okay, that's a big claim. How do you know it's the end? How can you say such a thing? That sounds like a, that sounds like a, a, a doomsday type event. Um, that's something that most people are interested in. But one of the places that I always refer to biblically is I go back to Joel chapter three, verses one through three. And um, I, I know we're kind of short on time, but I just want to read this passage to you very quickly. And it says this, yes, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and take them to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there because of my people, my inheritance, Israel. The nations have scattered the Israelites in foreign countries and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people. They bartered a boy for a prostitute and sold a girl for wine to drink. And so to kind of explain that or break that down, basically as an end time uh, prophecy passage, at the same time that God is restoring the fortunes, he's bringing prosperity back to the, la the land of Judah, to the fortunes of Israel. At the very same time, he's going to be doing that, which he is doing that as we speak. He is mm -hmm. also going to start the process of entering into judgment with the rest of the world. Uh, the rest of the world, as we well know, if you keep tabs on it, they have issues with Israel. Most of the world is very hostile toward Israel right now. And because of that hostility, God says that I'm going to enter into judgment with them. There's four or five times in that passage that I read off to you where God uses the expressions of my people, my inheritance, Israel. Uh, he refers to them, he refers to the land as my land. And he uses those expressions throughout. So he views Israel and the Jewish people as his inheritance, as his people. And he says in there, he uses that word Jehoshaphat. And when you break it down, what that means in Hebrew, it means God has judged. Mm -hmm. So he uses yeah. the symbolism. He's saying that I'm going to bring the nations to the valley of judgment. God has judged Jehoshaphat. And he says, I'm going to enter into judgment with them. And the Valley of Jehoshaphat is that valley that goes between the Mount of Olives and the Temple Mount, where the temple used to stand. Uh, right now, you see the Dome of the Rock. Most people have seen pictures of that in mm -hmm. Jerusalem. You see yeah. the Gold Dome, the Dome of the Rock. Well, the valley that runs between uh, the Mount of Olives and the Dome of the Rock, that is the Valley of Jehoshaphat. And 
God says, I'm going to enter into judgment with them there. And it's kind of interesting to note that Zechariah 14 mentions that someday when Jesus returns during his second return, not the rapture, that's a second event that's prior to the second coming, but Jesus is going to rest his feet on the Mount of Olives and he's going to, it's going to split over, uh, you know, into the Eastern gate, which the Muslims filled in hundreds of years ago, thinking that they would stop the Messiah from coming through. Well, I want to tell you, those bricks and that mortar is not going to stop the Messiah from coming through. Not at all. So those are one of the scriptures that we see coming to pass right now. And it's whenever he uses this expression that he's going to bring them back, where he's going to restore unto Israel. Israel is the only nation history in history that I'm aware of to be kicked out of their homeland at least twice and to come back. A third That's time. That's amazing. Yeah, to come yes. back this third time. Yeah. And so all of these invasions and these evictions were prophesied in Scripture as a result in a reestablishment of Israel for the third time. That's that's amazing. The first time that they were booted out was in 570 when the Lord allowed the Babylonians to come in as a result of the sin of, of uh, Israel. And he did that as a form of judgment. They were carried off into Babylon. And then later on, the Persians came, on, uh, came in and they conquered Babylon. And then Cyrus allowed them to return to the homeland. And it wasn't until 70 AD, during the time of the Roman occupation, that they were booted out again under the Roman general Titus. And right. he invaded all of Israel. And most historians will tell you that he killed a million Jews mm. during that invasion. And see, all of this was prophesied unto Scripture. Now, we see that through this prophecy that now they've moved forward. There was roughly a 1900-year gap there. And on May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation again in one day. Now, that is a hugely significant thing as well. That is a prophetic fulfillment that Israel became a nation in one day. You say, well, Josh, how do you know that? Because when you look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 66 and verse 8, the prophet asked the question, can a nation be born in one day? And it's talking about the reestablishment of Israel. And even he, in his mind, he's blown away by that question. We saw that they literally became a nation in one day's time. That's a prophetic fulfillment. It's a miracle all on its own. It is. It is a a miracle. It's a prophetic fulfillment. Our very own president at that time in 1948, Harry S. Truman, he was the first one uh, from a foreign power to officially recognize Israel as a sovereign nation. And I think as a result of that, God blessed the United States because of their support of the nation of Israel. Yeah. And so go ahead. I, I I personally, I think it's kind of cool that we as a nation were able to take part in that prophecy being fulfilled and have such a big role in it. You know, I, I don't, it kind of makes me proud. Absolutely. And it should because there were so many nations around the world Um, You know, of course, this is all happening after the Second World War, after the Holocaust, and many of the nations around the world felt like that they needed to do something for the Jewish people, considering everything that they went through. And of course, that was the talk was uh, giving them the land. Now, we know that all these people are plotting and planning on their own, but behind the scenes, this is all part of prophetic fulfillment. Right. And there were many nations around the world that were absolutely against 
against establishing a, a sovereign nation for the Israelites. They were against that. And it wasn't until the United States stepped up and officially recognized them that other nations began to fall in line. So I think you're right. I think God blessed us as a result of that. Yeah, it's really awesome. So what other kind of questions um, are you seeing from from people? We've got, we've got, you know, I don't know, about 10 minutes or so. Um, sure. Sure. And so, you know, kind of tying into that passage in Joel 3, um, one thing, the time in which we live now, um, the nation, the people are, the, the, the nation is reforming. The people are returning back to the homeland. Um, another interesting passage that we see come to pass is uh, Matthew chapter 24. Jesus indicated Matthew 24, verses 32 through 34, and I won't read it for the sake of time, but this, of course, is the fig tree parable. Mm -hmm. And it makes yes. this mention in there that the nation that sees the beginning, talking about the reestablishment of Israel as a nation, the generation that sees the beginning that will also be the generation to see the end of things, to see the end of all things. So in God's mind, in God's timeline, the end of the end times, if you want to refer to it as that, I believe in God's mind, started on May 14th, 1948. So again, in Joel wow. 3, God said that he's going to reestablish his people. He's going to give them prosperity. And at the same time, he's going to start entering into judgment with them. And the generation that saw that happen, that's the witness that occur, will also be the generation that will see the end of all things. Well, so then, you know, one of the big questions that people has is they'll say, well, how long is a generation? Right. Yeah. You know, that's a big question. Right now you, it's been, what, 74 years? Yeah, exactly. That is, that's exactly right. It's been a little over 74 years since that happened. Well, if you look over in Psalm 90, it refers to, you know, it says that, well, a generation is 70 years. And then it goes on to say 80 if you have strength. So if a generation is just, say, 80 years, well, then we don't have long. Right. That right there is a prophetic fulfillment as well. And of course, people, have, it also says in Matthew 24 and other places, it talks about, um, it mentions that there's going to be famines and wars and pestilences and earthquakes in the last days. And in talking to people, people say, well, Josh, there's always been those things in every right. generation, yeah. even prior to Christ coming, there's always been wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and famines and different things. Yeah, that's true. But Israel's not always been a nation. That's right. So that is the super sign. That is the thing that distinguishes this time, this generation from previous generations. Absolutely. And of course, that's that's the big part. But I also don't think that we've seen so much of it, such a concentrated amount of all of it at one time. Yeah, it's almost you know, like things are fast forwarding. You know, yes. things are just snowballing. They're picking up momentum. And again, I, I think this shows and proves the timeline of events in which we live. This is the season of the end times. Absolutely. And so another question, you know, that people hear, uh, that I hear often is usually going back to what we talked about in a previous podcast was the Gog and Magog war that's spoken of Ezekiel 38 and 39. And in particular, that seems to mention and deal with Russia. Uh, it deals with uh, Russia's allies. Um, Russia plays a huge part in end time prophecy, as does other nations. Um, 
Ezekiel 38 verses 1 through 6, and, and again, for the sake of time, I won't, I won't read all that, but it mentions the nations that are involved. And basically, it if you just want to pare it down like this, it's basically Russia and a bunch of Muslim nations. Russia, for all intents and purposes right now, is a very secular, atheistic nation. And we know that there are branches of Christianity over there. You do have the Russian Orthodox Church, but it is... Mm-hmm in terms of its strength, is nothing compared to what it was 100 years ago. So for the most part, very atheistic, very agnostic. Uh, But again, in context of this passage, you see Russia, and then you have all of these other religious countries, but these other countries are strictly Muslim-oriented nations. And so specifically, it mentions nations, and it even gives this individual Gog, and that Mm -hmm. being a title more than a proper name. It just means ruler. It means prince coming from the land of Magog, and most scholars interpret that to believe that that is part of mainland Russia. And so in prophecy, God uses, it mentions in that passage of scripture I referenced to you, verses one through six, it uses this imagery of God putting a hook in the mouth of Gog's mouth and dragging him and all of his allies down to the nation of Israel, and he's entering into judgment with them. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, because he goes on to mention that, and I'm I'm just kind of painting a picture here at this point, God says, I will drag you down, and he is going to make a spectacle of them. God is going to thump their head supernaturally. Israel right. will not have to lift a finger. They won't have to fire a bullet. God himself will supernaturally drag them down to the, na- the, to the nation of Israel, to the land of Israel, and he will personally enter into judgment and war with them. And so it uses this idea of a hook in the mouth. You kind of think of maybe an unruly animal on the farm Mm -hmm. and farmers will take a hook and they'll put it in the mouth so that they can get control. A lot of times uh, farmers would put uh, a ring in the snout of a pig. And if a pig is getting out of line, they'll do that because it's sensitive. And so that's that's the kind of I, um, imagery that the Lord gives us in in talking about this, that he will personally drag them down. Now, naturally, they think that they're doing that on their own accord. Right. They think that they're just full of wisdom, that they're just, you know, going about their own plans and their own whims. But again, behind the scene, it's God orchestrating events. So right. some of these other nations that come down that are in alliance with Russia and alliance with the the leader Gog, uh, it mentions Persia, which is modern-day Iran. It gives descriptions like Gomer and Togarma, uh, Meshach and Tubal, Ethiopia, Put, which is modern-day Libya and Algeria. All of these are regional powers, basically Muslim powers. Mm-hmm. And if you were to look at a map, you would see that Israel is right in the middle of all these. They are completely surrounded by enemies, powerful enemies. And so the point I'm trying to make in all of this, for the Ezekiel chapter 38, the Gog-Magog prophecy to come to pass, all of the needed players are in place. And one of the needed players to be in place is Israel. Right. And Israel's there. And if you go back 75 years ago, you mentioned 74 years ago, but if you go back 75 years ago, it wasn't in place. So that scripture couldn't come to pass. But they're there now, and so therefore it can come to pass. So this is just another added layer to the prophecy wow this is it's it's fascinating to you you know you see you you see all these things you know you were talking about like um 
Russia and them God pulling them down, you know, and 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 Israel not really having to do anything, and you see a pattern. You know, God's done this before. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you look at a uh, Gideon. You know, Gideon didn't have to. God sent Gideon, but Gideon didn't have to lift a, lift a finger. You know, sure. they surrounded him there in that valley, and they all killed each other. And you know, I mean, supernatural protection. Yes, I mean, we know that God is capable. He's given us examples. You know, you look at Pharaoh. Uh, you you know, you talk about them them thinking that they are in their own wisdom. Um, you, you know, Pharaoh had a chance to make the right decision to begin with, and then you know, about halfway through, God hardened his heart. And and at that point he didn't have a choice. He he had made he had made his choice is what had happened, right? And uh, and that's kind of paints the same picture biblically as what we're going to see out of Russia and these Muslim nations. You know they they have they there will be a point they have made their choice, yeah. And there's there's no going back on it. Yeah, and there were Bible scholars going back a hundred years ago, uh, and the question would be asked of them when people would suggest is Russia really going to invade Israel why would Russia do that Russia at that time 100 years ago 120 years ago they were a strong Christian nation you know this was the time of the czars this was before the bolshevik revolution this was before you know communism set in and they were a very christianized nation and people could not believe that um, a christianized Russia would at some point in the future invade Israel if Israel was to ever become a nation again. And people just mm-hmm. couldn't believe it. But at the time of World War I, um, you saw the Bolshevik Revolution happen. You saw the communists take over. You saw how they basically just clamped down on Christianity, religion in general. And within just a few short years, um, I heard a report and one of the things I read that said within just a few short years, the Russian Orthodox Church lost 200 million members due That's to the insane. influence of the communists. Yeah, due to the influence of the communists. And so my point bringing that up is to say the idea that a Christian nation, uh, a nation that was once Christianized, would ultimately revert and then end up invading Israel, right. God's chosen people. Well, yeah, yeah. it can happen because we, we see how quickly things can turn. And so, you know, he goes on to ask the question in Ezekiel 38, verses 7 through 12, it kind of paints the picture of the motivation. So again, in those first six verses, we talked about the different nations that would invade. And then verses 7 through 12 kind of gives their motivation for invading. Well, we know the Mm -hmm. Lord's going to be the one to drag them down. But again, in their own mind, they've got their own reasons. They think they've come up with their own, you know, clever reasons for invading. Well, some of the things are pretty obvious. Number one, they're there for resources. Right. Russia is there for the plunder because that's what the scripture says. Um, right. They'll come down to plunder and, and take spoils. Um, about eight or nine, maybe 10 years ago, off the coast of uh, the Mediterranean, Israel covered 32 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. They are, trillion with a they T. Are, Trillion with the T. They are unbelievably wealthy as a result of that. Um, they are incredibly um, influential. They are incredibly powerful. They're incredibly wealthy. And so this mm-hmm. means that they can be a direct competitor with, with Russia. 
because Russia is also a strong um, economic exporter of natural gas. And so Russia doesn't like that. That's going to be one of the motivations that they're willing to come in and try and take over and ultimately invade the land of Israel. But then it goes on and it mentions some of the other things and some of the other reasons why people would want to invade. And the other for the uh, for the other people involved, the other nations involved, which are primarily Muslim, they want the land itself. Right. They yeah, want to they hold. Think it's theirs. Yeah, they want to hold. They want to control the physical land itself for basically for religious reasons. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to dominate the Temple Mount. They want to be able to dominate the surrounding area. And so, again, for Russia, it's for economic reasons. But for these other nations, it's for primarily religious reasons. Uh, Iran right now, being the number one threat, regional threat in that area, of course, uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, you'll know that all the reports out are saying that they have accumulated enough nuke material to make one atomic bomb. And mm-hmm. above and beyond that, they now have the technology to deliver that weapon system with the missile. And of course, all of this has been in conjunction with Russia. Russian scientists, Russian money, Russian technology has been funneled all the way over into Iran. They've been supporting them behind the scenes. They've been showing them how to build these nuke weapons. They've been supplying them with everything they need to deliver this weapon system. And Iran has publicly stated through their religious leaders that they want to destroy Israel. They are on the record. They are open about that. And people say, oh, that's just exaggeration. That's just saber rattling. That's just, you know, them trying to make a stand. No, they, they really do want to do that. If they get the ability to do it, they will attempt to do that. So that's one reason they want to see Israel wiped off the face of the earth so that they can control the land. In fact, this missile that the Iranians have developed they actually wrote a name on the side of the physical missile itself, mm-hmm. and it's a reference to a battle that Muslims and Jews fought hundreds of years ago in which, at that time, the Muslims won. They defeated the Jews, and basically they're doing that again, saying this is what it's going to be like when we send this missile your way, we'll defeat you once again. Man. It's, it's unbelievable. The hatred... And, and that's really what it is. I mean, it's like a true hatred. Yeah. Um, and most of them don't even know where it stems from. Yeah. And we know where it stems from because the, the enemy, Satan, he hates that's the right. Jewish people. Hates them. And so he wants to instigate. He wants to drive wedges between Jews and the rest of the world. He wants, he hates them. So he wants the whole world to hate them. Right. Absolutely. And, and of course, Israel can't stand for this. Israel right. has basically said that we that Iran is an existential threat and that they will not allow, they will not tolerate um, Iran getting a nuclear weapon. And they have also went on the record basically saying that they will do whatever they need to do, either unilaterally or in conjunction with allies, the United States. They will take them out if they have to. Right. And so if this happens... Some of the scholars and people I referenced earlier, they're questioning, could this lead to the Gog-Magog war? If Israel goes in and they strike Iran first, will this create a domino effect that would then lead to the Gog-Magog world of Ezekiel 38? Russia has went on the record and they have basically notified Israel and they have notified the United States 
And they have said, if Israel or any of its allies attacks Iran, that we will have to answer to Russia directly. Right. I mean, this this demonstrates just how closely tied together Iran and Russia are at this time. And again, these are Gog Magog players. Absolutely. All of these muscles. So it all ties together. So the third and final reason that they want to invade is they simply want to kill the Jews. And I know that's a harsh statement, but you read verses 18 through 23, and you see that that's what they want to do. They want to destroy the Jewish people. And it explains in those verses how God himself will intervene on the behalf of Israel. It will be a supernatural intervention. Israel will not need to fire a bullet. Yeah. It it will be wild. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when will all this occur? People say, well, Josh, is this going to happen before the rapture? Is it going to happen after the rapture? Is it going to happen, you know, in essence, in conjunction with the rapture? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, within just days, weeks, whatever of, of each other. Well, I don't really have a timeline on that. But the way that I would answer that is to say, I think that they are closely connected so close that they absolutely could be within days or weeks of each other. And if that's the case, then we know either we have a war coming first, the Gog Mega war, then the rapture or vice versa, the rapture. And then the war. So these are all epic events. I think that they are closely connected on a timeline of events. And so if you see the players of the Gog Magog war lining up together, then you know that the rapture has got to be soon. It's close. Absolutely. It's close. So based on the scriptures I gave you tonight, just one thing to kind of rehash and uh, kind of connect all this together. So for the Gog and Magog war to happen, and when will all of these things occur? That final question that people have. Um, Again, going back to Joel chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it mentions that Israel must have returned to its land and God making them prosperous once again. Well, that's happened. Right. They've returned. They are prosperous. They are established. Um, and not only return, but it goes on to mention that they must come back from scattered nations. You know, the Jews during the diaspora, uh, they they were scattered all over the world. And, and that today, happened in 70 AD, right? Absolutely. That happened in 70 AD whenever Titus came in and ran them out of the promised land, and they were scattered all over. But today you see Jews returning home from all over over the world. In fact, there's been thousands of Jews that have returned home since the uh, Russia-Ukraine war that's taken Mm -hmm. place the last six months or so. Thousands of Jews have returned home to Israel since that began, and more continue to come home each and every day. So they were scattered, but they're returning home. Israel has become a land once again. Um, And another qualifier for that is they got to be prosperous. And I kind of mentioned that earlier that they have all of this natural gas that they've discovered. Uh, they've actually built a pipeline going from the Mediterranean coast up through Crete, up through uh, the boot of Italy on into mainland Europe. They are now a direct competitor with Russia. That pipeline supposedly won't be operational until 2025, but naturally Russia is not too keen on that. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have any kind of competitor with the uh, fuel energy going into Europe. They want to be the sole supplier of Europe because that's where they make most of their money. So they are an incredibly prosperous nation. And one of the other things that it says in scripture is that Israel must be basically uh, dwell in safety. Um, 
uh, unwalled villages. In other words, it's the whole it's this whole idea that they are a safe nation. Now that's kind of debatable. A lot right. of times you'll get people to say, well, Josh, how can they be safe if they've got all these threats around them and they have all these missiles that come in from Hamas and Hezbollah and all that? Well, I've been there twice. I went in 1999 and it went again in 2013. And I know things have kind of ramped up a little bit over there since then, but not at one time did I feel unsafe. And I can genuinely say that. Really? I did not feel unsafe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they they know what it is. They They are smart. They are secure. They, they obviously, they do deal with terrorism, but you know what? You can find that sort of stuff anywhere in the world. They know how to handle the threats that are around them. And yes. uh, they, they dwell in security. So these are some of the things that all the scholars that we talked about say has to happen before, before this war will come and ultimately the rapture. And we see this right now. We see this prophecy being fulfilled in front of our very eyes. All of them. All of them. Yep. Absolutely. This is, yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating. And again, you know, we kind of go back to what we were talking about before the break, you know, about how um, we can, we can, we are watching prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the thing that we are 100% certain on is that the, the rapture is coming soon. Jesus absolutely. is coming back soon. Uh, yeah. There's not a doubt in my mind that um that it's not very soon um you know and so josh i want to thank you we're gonna have you back um discuss a little bit more of the the end time prophecy um listeners if you if you've got questions about end time prophecy um you, you know first and foremost know that that the end is coming soon jesus is coming back for his church and if you do not know him if you do not know Jesus, find him. S- ha- you, you sense the urgency. If you have family members, if you have people in your life who do not know Jesus, they need to know him. I understand that not everybody's going to, but us as believers, as men, we have to have an urgency about us, about sharing the gospel, sharing the good news that people need to know Um, We have hope and that Jesus is coming back for us and he loves us. Amen. Um, If you've got any questions, you can always email us, realmen at palaceofpraise.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Um, Message us if you've got any questions. If you've got questions about what we talked about, maybe some stuff that we didn't talk about, um, let us know. If I don't have the answer, I'll ask Josh. And... uh, (laughs) So, but uh, as always, I want to enter a prayer. Holy Spirit, teach us to be leaders of our homes, of our communities, and of our churches. And teach us to be godly, courageous men. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmen at palaceofpraise.com or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. 
New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk. Recover 2022 is coming to the Palace of Praise on Saturday, September 10th, beginning at 11 a.m. Recover 2022 is a recovery festival featuring resources for those battling addiction and will have experts on hand to guide you in the right direction to get the help you need. Recover 2022 also features games, food, and family fun for the entire family. Come hear powerful speakers and awesome praise and worship music. Recovered 2022 is happening at the Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information about this event, please contact the church office at 573-785-4232. Recovered 2022, September 10th at the Palace of Praise in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday Come be a part of the discussion.